You're listening to KDNK's For Land's Sake Public Affairs Program. I'm Bill Kite, your host, and today we have Anderson Cole in the studio with us as guest. Uh, Welcome, Anderson. Thanks, Bill. Thanks for having me on. Well, I'm going to give a little background for Anderson here and why we're doing this um, with him. He grew up in the Roaring Fork Valley, and so he's got a leg up on a lot of people. And he became a volunteer DJ in October of 2020 as D-E-R-S for DJ. Ders for DJ. Ders for DJ. Okay. All right. On his show, Contented Confluence. And then you joined the staff full-time in March 2021 as operations assistant. I sure did, yeah. And now you do just about everything, taking on the roles of marketing and events coordinator and morning edition hosting duties every Friday and occasionally all things considered. And you help me learn this thing and relearn it every every month. So <laughs> thanks for all your help, Anderson. I yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a joy. So why are you leaving um, KDNK full-time? Yeah, so I am going into a master's program at CU Boulder. It's a program called Masters of the Environment, and I'll be studying sustainability in the outdoor industry. And this has always been a passion of mine. Like you said, growing up here, it's kind of ingrained in a lot of folks that uh, do grow up here. And uh, also, uh, it is a perfect confluence of a lot of my professional experience uh, as well. And I also studied geology in my undergrad. And uh, it kind of all works together with what I'm passionate about and uh, what I want to do moving forward. Masters of the environment. I always wanted to be a master of the environment, but it just didn't work out that way for me. (laughs) I'll get to say I am a master of the environment in about a year and a half now. Okay, good. Well, good. And so now you see why. Here's here's someone we have not on this program in the last uh, five or six years had someone that's young who's going off to do something that's really going to be good for us and the environment. And so I thought this would be a perfect opportunity. And Anderson's a hardworking fellow. I've really enjoyed working with you since you've been here. So thanks again for all the, all your help. Absolutely. So uh, why why did you? What's inspired you? I guess what I'm looking for to, to cause you to go in this direction. Yeah, I uh, have always wanted to find the correct opportunity to uh, delve further into uh, into the environment and uh, find a program that will. Uh, lead me to a career that I believe is going to be worth it and uh, that, um, you know, I can contribute to uh, to a community as a leader. Uh, and the timing just uh, worked out well. Obviously, things were uh, a little crazy during the pandemic and I didn't really want to go to school while, there w- it, while everything was virtual. Right. And now I get to have an in-person experience and probably get more out of it than uh, folks that have been going through the, the program until this point. Um, so the timing was just right. Other, other than, uh, you know, having a, a good thing going here at KDNK, the, the timing is right. right. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, most people don't realize there's a lot of back uh, behind the scenes business that goes on here. So if you could just tell us a little bit about what you normally do, pick something you really like to do, or, or just let us know what it's like to 
the do the job you do around here a little bit. Here at KDNK? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, you know, you've mentioned the, a lot of the work that I've done with you uh, as, you know, a public affairs coordinator. I'm uh, speaking with a lot of the uh, hosts uh, that are coming in every day from, uh, you know, the first show at 4 and, and 4.30 and uh, trying to get a leg up on uh, what the show is going to be about and hopefully help promote it and then get it out onto the uh, internet after the show has actually taken place as well. Um, maybe giving some ideas to some hosts that uh, that may be uh, stumped. Uh, right. And uh, there's always a mix of folks that are departing and coming back in. Um, and then, you know, some uh, other things, you know, being an, an events coordinator, a lot of the events that have taken place in the last year and a half, I've certainly been... Um, uh, been really involved with uh, most recently the thrift shop prom that KDNK put on in May was uh, came from an idea that uh, we uh, we got when we were at the Rocky Mountain Community Radio uh, conference over in Crested Butte and uh, they had a similar event and we said hey we can we can put on an event like that and uh, brainstormed and as a team we kind of put it all together and uh, had that the first edition of the thrift shop prom this this may so um right. yeah but also you know mr roaring fork and uh when we have our beer tent at uh dandelion day uh that's a lot that takes some volunteer coordination and event coordination and uh i've certainly had um uh, my hands in that uh, over the past year and a half or so and as someone who's been behind trying to get events and still is uh, behind trying to get events going that's not an easy task. Most people don't realize that uh, coordinating events is, uh, can be a, a, a rewarding experience but also a headache. So, yeah, it's, it's uh, hats off to you on that for sure. So why isn't the outdoor industry sustainable right now? Uh, there are certainly some sustainable practices that are uh, beginning, to be th- beginning to be thrown into uh, some of the um some of the outfitters that are going out into the wilderness but it i think the foundation of the outdoor industry wasn't necessarily uh built on a a fully sustainable uh system and uh, i think i'm going into this program to learn about systems that can um uh, be built on what we have now, but also what can bring us into the future and um, create the uh, changes we need to um, make, uh, yeah, just make for better practices. Because I know a lot of people consider some of the um, recreation that we have uh, sort of industrial recreation. Right. And, and we are fortunate around here, I think, to have all, all kinds of recreation at our fingertips. But I th- also think that because of the pandemic, a lot of people got out into the outdoors without really knowing what they were getting into, without experience of knowing, you know, when you go somewhere, you tell somebody where you're going, and when you're expected back, you take get enough supplies to get by if the, if the weather changes. All those kind of things, I think, converged to have a lot of people out there who um, needed rescuing, for instance, mm-hmm, and that mm-hmm. probably had they had they really known what they were getting into, would not have been in a situation like that. And here recently, even, there's been some some people that have had to be rescued. And, uh, you know, that, that takes a lot out on the, the volunteers that do the rescuing. It's, it's uh, dangerous and expensive. But, yeah, industrial recreation, I think, 
is is something that is not sustainable in that sense that it needs to be and hopefully you can help make that happen so absolutely and uh, a lot of what i've seen as well in the social media age is uh, the you know at, at first it was nice to be able to geotag and say hey look at this beautiful view and you're able to pinpoint exactly where you were when you took that photo. But then it becomes this runaway effect where so many people want to find that same view just so they can kind of post that as well. But then there is an infrastructure to be able to handle that extra traffic just because it was shared all over. Obviously, it would be great if everybody could go to the same place uh, and enjoy it. But if you if it gets overrun too quickly, then uh, that's not a sustainable practice either. Right. It, and uh, I know, for instance, that a lot of uh, being involved in management of caves while I was with the Forest Service, a lot of people w- would want to reveal certain cave locations that couldn't stand the traffic that's going to come as a result of that. Right. So there was, I think, a misuse of, the, of that practice. And uh, it can be fun and it can be used in a proper way. But I think we have to be really careful about what we do in the outdoors because we have effect on the outdoors and mm-hmm. the ecosystem. Mm-hmm. So what's your favorite thing to do outdoors? Uh, I think my, uh, I have a combo of favorite activities. I, you know, the first thing that I would choose to do is go hiking uh, wherever and, and uh, but also road biking. Uh, I m- more recently got into road biking. I actually worked for uh, an active travel company and uh, we would run biking trips in any number of national parks. I worked as close as, you know, starting in Grand Junction, going into Arches and Canyonlands, and uh, worked a lot of summers up in Glacier National Park and would uh, road bike up there as well. So that's how that's how I first choose to enjoy the outdoors. Well, I'm not about to ask you, as I've been asked a few times, what's your favorite place to go outdoors? Because then... Uh, <laughs> You know, you, you, then it becomes like I was talking earlier. Everybody wants to be there and wants to see it, and then it doesn't become the place it was that you first found it. Right, yeah, no. Well, I think my favorite place is uh, the next place that I'm um, first experiencing. Uh, I've uh, started to try to find the, the places that I haven't seen yet, and that that's what's most exciting to me. So uh, I don't know. That's not necessarily the, the question that uh, you asked, but, I mean, that's what I look forward to in an adventure is uh, having it be new and having it be, um, uh, yeah, exciting and, and different than what I have experienced before. Right. And a lot of times, uh, you know, people that, that aren't from here, they stay on the trails and that's that's what they know is staying on the trails where those of us who know the area can get off the trail quite easily and find those magical places still mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, and that's that's really important yeah and you have to get creative especially i mean growing up here um yeah i went to the aspen school district and i spent a lot of time up valley and um, I got my trails that I, I really loved and I would uh, repeat them, you know, probably hundreds of times now, now in my life. Uh, but it's, it's become kind of a creative adventure to, uh, try and find the, the nooks and crannies of the Roaring Fork Valley that, uh, even though I, I grew up here, I haven't experienced before. So what drew, uh, what drew you to the CU Boulder program, uh, for, for the masters, uh, that you're getting, so 
I was really drawn to the practical experience that the program has advertised will will give its students. Uh, there's uh, specifically a capstone project that the uh, the program runs. So through next summer, I'll be working with an organization that submitted a project to the Masters of the Environment program, and I'll be able to make connections with a particular. Uh, particular company that uh, wanted to uh, create some real world change and you can get experience with that uh, pretty close to when uh, I will have uh, started the program and you know I'll start in a couple weeks here and then you know by next summer I'll be working with uh, an actual an actual company on some real world issues. What real world issues um, are kind of in the back of your mind that you'd like to see um, worked on, I guess. Yeah, I I think I'm interested in a, a couple of different avenues. I guess uh, having worked in um, active travel, uh, I would love to uh, see if there's any companies out there that are thinking uh, thinking deeply about how they can more uh, can reduce their impact on. Uh, some places that may be overrun uh, and uh, trying to uh, create a balance between corporate profits and um, making sure they have a place to go to uh, in the future. Another another kind of segment of Masters of the Environment uh, that I've been interested in, I'll be studying sustainability, sustainability in the outdoor industry. There's also a track called Urban Resiliency. Um, and I feel like that's something that gets brought up quite a bit around here in Carbondale. There's this, um, you know, really big, there's an influx of people building up, but, um, and there is, I, I think, a great city council who is mindful about uh, what kind of changes are being made here in Carbondale. I would love to delve deeper and know myself if we're creating sustainable practices in this uh, beautiful place that we love. Yeah. And, and resiliency, that's, um, that's an interesting word. My daughter uh, said that there was a job coming open at children's hospital. It was a director of resiliency. And I thought, mm-hmm. you know, in a way, if you're a young person and you get into something like that, you can kind of make your own career. Yeah, absolutely. Because if we're not resilient, then um, maybe the cockroach will win. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of scary how how this older generation I'm a part of has left things uh, for you to clean up, I guess would be the way to put it. Uh, What would you consider one of the not very cool things we've left you with uh, that we haven't been able to figure out or fix in, in the world today? Yeah, a lot of uh, the issues that have been coming to our region specifically uh, would be uh, the drought and water usage. That's that's a part of urban, urban resiliency. You have to think about water when uh, folks are uh, moving to this place. And uh, where's that water going to go? We're certainly here at the the headwaters uh, and of kind of the western side of the uh, Great Divide. And... Uh, and uh, yeah, so uh, thinking about water rights and uh, how water is being used in the the Western Slope, but in the West in general, because it's uh, in the forefront. Yeah, and, and um, you know, part of it, it comes from: Do we really need all these lawns? Mm-hmm. You know? And mm-hmm. I saw a, a, 
one of the papers uh, this morning I was looking at uh, the news was in uh, in Las Vegas they're pulling up all the the sod which yeah you know that's uh, here we are worrying about not being able to have enough water and there they are still water in their lawns in the middle of a desert so my wife even decided to, to Kate decided to take a portion of the lawn that we really don't like in the front that's kind of owned by the other people in us just a small portion and 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 revert that back to native grasses and plants and I think you know a lot of people can do that with their lawns and here in in uh, Carbondale I'd like to see some program that would uh, would enable people to do that that would be cost effective I think that's really needed because do we really need water in all these lawns uh, when we're in a water shortage and a drought like we are so Absolutely, and it takes community. It takes community leaders to be able to uh, bring that change about. Uh, folks who can get the word out there that native species are are better for uh, the lawns, and and you know maybe something will something will happen in in that realm. So we haven't been able to solve um, that issue. What's what's another one you can think of? <laughs> um. You know, it relates I'm, to the outdoors, I mean. That but, relates yeah. to the to the outdoors. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, responsible use of the public lands that we already do have. I think about uh, national parks. I, I would lead quite a few trips in the national parks. And uh, I remember being kind of annoyed as as an employee trying to uh, figure out all of the, the permits that and, and the it seemed what seemed like hoops we had to jump through uh, to be able to uh, bring our guests into the into the park. Um, but now I kind of, uh, I certainly respect that, uh, a lot more now where, uh, okay, let, I understand why we can't have overcrowding, but overcrowding just kind of naturally happens with, I remember in 2016, there was a, a really large advertisement campaign for the national parks. And, uh, I remember the summer of 2016 and t- summer 2017, being visibly different, uh, being right. in some of the national parks. I, I led a lot of trips in Zion National Park, and I remember that that place specifically. You just had these uh, – the buses that would take you into the park were suddenly sta- standing room only. And it's it been a popular park for a long time, but right. I, I remember that advertising campaign – uh, you know, a couple years down the line, I, I thought we didn't need that. Uh, it, right. We, the, the national parks kind of sell themselves, and um, you know, I can understand why you would want to do that. It was a hundred years of the national park program, um, and maybe that's calmed down a, a bit at this point. But people are also trying to get outside, and uh, how do you manage all these people that are trying to? Uh, enjoy the outdoors there's uh, there's really just so many people now it's uh, maybe an impossible thing to do uh, you can't necessarily uh, have turn people back but how do you uh, how do you create a great uh, a good balance and and a good experience for people because if they don't have a great experience then uh, you know i think that's a shame because you come out here other people do to see this country because it's beautiful and then not have a good experience that that would not be real cool would it Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely you're listening to kdnk's for land's sake program a public affairs program and i'm bill kite your host today we have anderson cole with us and anderson let me ask you uh we were i was asking about things that this generation of mine has left you uh, with problems Uh, (laughs) what what things as a leader you mentioned the word leadership and as a leader what uh what would you like to be involved in that could change uh, the direction of things that we're worried about right now, including drought? I think uh, 
something that would uh, improve things would be equitable access. Uh, there are uh, folks that uh, don't have the opportunities that certainly that that we do here in the, the Roaring Fork Valley that uh, can't necessarily um, uh, get into nature, get enjoy the um, enjoy the the trails that we do and. Also, there are certainly corporations, the the ski companies in in the area, uh, trying to hire a more diverse staff. Uh, that would be um, something that uh, leads to more sustainable practices. It's uh, more people need to, uh, in my opinion, uh, get outdoors, uh, enjoy it, uh, reap the benefits that uh, a lot of folks that have moved and love this area and other natural areas uh, have benefited from. Yeah, that's that's kind of important because a, a lot of people don't have the privilege we did of going up in a place where we could just go outdoors anytime we wanted and learn from the outdoors being our teacher. Yeah. And they're, they're stuck in urban situations. They're stuck in places where they don't have the, the ability, the transportation to get to, to where we like to go ourselves. Uh, so, yeah, the, I think equitable is a word that's just like the, the other word we were looking at there, uh, resiliency, equ- equ- equitable. 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 There we go. (laughs) Equitable. All right. And uh, because access is important uh, to public lands access, it's taken for granted. All of us uh, like to get to the places we want to get to, and all of a sudden we go up and there's a locked gate. So, you Mm -hmm. know, uh, Mm -hmm. that's that's a situation that I think we've seen more of in the West, uh, at least over my career in the public service uh, land management agencies than I would have liked to have seen uh, people not wanting the great unwashed public to see what they can see because they have access in some cases to that that uh, land that's public. So Park Service, um, BLM, Forest Service, um, which one do you enjoy the most? Do you enjoy national parks over forest or BLM's great public lands that we have all around us? Oh, that's uh, that's so hard because they all offer something different. Um, it's uh you know national parks certainly have the infrastructure for uh, the most people to uh, to enjoy them but uh, i think going back to what i was stating before my my favorite place to to see is uh somewhere i've never seen before and that that may be on blm land it it may be you know even a state park and um so i think uh, i've been enjoying uh veering away from national parks and and finding what there is to offer in places that haven't necessarily been protected the same way that uh, national parks have what's your favorite national park in colorado in Colorado, <laughs> I would say Rocky Mountain National Park. Uh, yeah, it's uh, uh, there are some similarities here, but uh, I think uh, I was really humbled when uh, I first got to Glacier National Park. Uh, just the the how um, exciting it was just to look up at the mountains and the the. Uh, the relief between the valley floors and the the tips of the the mountains, and I feel like I got that at Rocky Mountain National Park as well. And um, and just the the wildlife, the the flora and fauna, the really all combined. And uh, I guess that's that specific I'll get, as I'll get right now. <laughs> okay, and uh, I, I think it's kind of funny when I was trying to get my daughters uh, Amber and Chandra, the younger ones 
interested in going to Rocky Mountain National Park? And they said, Dad, why would we want to go to Rocky Mountain National Park? We live in the Rocky Mountains. So (laughs) (laughs) that ended that adventure right there for sure. Yeah. Well, and if you're looking for uh, some diversity in the landscape, too, some uh, some protected land that I was really surprised by was uh, Colorado National Monument. Uh, You you think that type of desert landscape only exists in Utah. And uh, I mean, Utah is so close anyway. You can go to Moab and so many people here really do take advantage of that. But Colorado National Monument is has some just amazingly spectacular rock formations. And, um, yeah, you can really get out in the desert just a couple hours away. If you had a blank check uh, to buy all the outdoor equipment you would love to buy, <laughs> what what would be the, the top three items you would buy? Oh, my, yes. Uh, you know, embarrassingly, I still have not purchased a stand-up paddleboard. Uh, I've I've been borrowing from friends, so thank you, uh, anybody to uh, who has uh, lent me their stand-up paddleboard. Um, I think maybe a, uh, a world-class mountain bike to be able to, uh, get into that sport, which I haven't necessarily gotten into, uh, yet. And then my third item would be maybe a very, um, high quality set of binoculars. I like that. That's, that's a pretty good list. I think <laughs> I, how about things you wouldn't, uh, you found you aren't that useful. I've, I've got one in particular that you had to, that you bought and go, really? Isn't that useful? That's interesting. Uh, would you mind? Would you mind letting me know what your item is before yeah, uh, I answer? I like uh, I like to grind my own coffee. So I got this little looked like a really powerhouse little grinder. You yeah, know? And <laughs> I was grinding on that for about a minute and then two minutes and then nothing was really happening and i thought no that's that was a definite ripoff yeah a ripoff okay well i guess uh stating as well uh maybe uh an automatic inflator for a stand-up paddleboard i i feel like that's something i don't have but i don't need as well i I feel like if you're getting into the outdoors do something with your own hands you know that's i'd like i'd like that okay great (laughs) um what are you going to miss most about uh, about uh, leaving your position at KDNK? It'll be the community. Uh, It was uh, uh, perfect timing to... to meet all of these people it's it's the most welcoming community i think i've ever been a part of and um everyone's uh happy to it's it's so inclusive and uh really made some amazing connections over the the past year and a half and uh, maybe you know even close to two years if you count when i started being a volunteer dj and um yeah just being around the people obviously it's been uh, an amazing treat to be able to work with my dad as well i get to come in and he's finishing uh morning edition and and hosting and uh, that's not something everybody gets to do so that family time as well and yeah, I was going to let let people know that, but you are you already did for me. So uh, Anderson Cole is uh, is Steve Cole's son. So yeah, <laughs> I, I love listening to Steve in the morning, uh, coming going to work because it's just so soothing. His voice is so soothing, and and it it really makes you listen. As far as I'm concerned, yeah. Um, I think maybe we should start playing the music here pretty soon. Any last thing you'd like to say before we do that, though? Well, uh, just uh, I really appreciate you having me on my show. And uh, if any of the KDNK community is listening, it's uh, been such a treat to be able to speak to you through the air and uh, have to have seen you in the community as well.